The Jets are 1-2, and two, and they are not getting their money's worth from players they signed in free agency this year. Who needs to step up? That's what we'll talk about today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, September 27th, 2022, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. We're free and we're available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you like what you see or hear, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening. You'll never miss an episode. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps the channel out and helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Well, the Jets are 1-2. and two. They lost last weekend to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now this weekend, they have a big game coming up against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a chance to get back to 500. This is kind of a new Jets roster this year. There was lots of turnover in the offseason, and it's almost a tale of two offseasons based on how the new players are performing. You have the, dr- the draft class from 2022, and I think by most accounts, it's looked pretty good so far. I think you have to be pretty satisfied by what you're getting from this rookie class. It was a heavily hyped rookie class. It was a heavily decorated rookie class. It was a rookie class that generated a lot of attention. That's what happens when you draft four players in the top 40, seven in the top 120. And so far, you look at the players that the Jets drafted in the top 40. You have two guys who look like, now only three games in, but two guys who look like they could be legitimate difference makers. Sauce Gardner, who... You know, has had a few hiccups in the red zone, maybe misreading some plays, maybe some miscommunication, back-to-back weeks where there's a touchdown where Sauce is part of a miscommunication, but for the most part, looking really good. Looking like a guy who can match up with some excellent receivers and hold his own. And Garrett Wilson, who hopefully he's healthy, but really looks like somebody who could be a go-to guy on this offense. But beyond that, and you have to remember, this draft class is frequently compared with the Jets 2000 draft class that and that was when the Jets had four first rounders this year they had three first rounders and an early second rounder when the Jets had four first round picks back in 2000 people always talk about them going for a four for four but the last of those four first round picks was Anthony Becht and Anthony Becht was a role player he was not really an impact player so success in the draft is not always about hitting the grand slam sometimes it's about hitting the single or the double and there were four players, again, drafted early. Two of them look like they're off to starts that signal their impact players. The other two guys who were drafted early, they're showing flashes. I mean, Brees Hall's shown a few few plays here or there where he looks really good. Jermaine Johnson you know, had a half sack in the opener, made a, made a couple plays against the run uh, on Sunday. So even the guys who really aren't looking like superstar-level players yet, they're still showing you something. And beyond that, I mean, you have a couple fourth-round picks, Max Mitchell and Michael Clements, who maybe are not making great impacts in a positive way yet, but I think by all accounts are ahead of where you would expect them to be when we're talking about fourth-round rookies. I mean, out of the rookie class, Jeremy Ruckert is really the only guy who's giving you nothing so far, and he's not really a guy you were expecting much out of. So the rookie class looks really good. The free agent class. Jets were very active in free agency this year. There's this misconception that Joe Douglas doesn't care about free agency. That's not really true. 
The Jets have been mo- one of the most active teams in the NFL in two of the three, three years he's run free agency. They've spent a lot of money. What Joe Douglas does not do is what Mike McCagna did. Joe Douglas does not hand out market-setting deals. He does not fish for the top free agents, the biggest names. And thank goodness, because that frequently is, I mean, that fails more often than it succeeds. Joe Douglas looks for, I wouldn't say moderate-level players, but Joe Douglas tries to find players who are at fair value. Unfortunately, while this plan makes sense on paper, Joe Douglas has not been very good at executing it. In fact, I think you'd have to say Joe Douglas in the Jets in his Jets tenure has been frankly awful at free agency. Most of the signings have failed. Successful signings, I mean, I think you'd you could say Connor McGovern in 2020, maybe George Fant the same year. You know, he did have that good year last year, although he's regressing this year now he's hurt. There's really not a lot else. And this year's class, I mean, they signed a lot of guys and there's really only, I mean, if you want to count the kicker, Greg Zorline, you can count him. But outside of Greg Zorline, the kicker, you know, Quan Alexander's been okay. But there's really only one player so far, and we're only three weeks in, but there's only one player you could say has really been worth the money, and that's DJ Reed. And if you were, like, listening to this and you were saying, what about G- DJ Reed? I love DJ Reed. You're absolutely right. DJ Reed's been great. If you're a DJ Reed fan, I'm with you. He's been an excellent signing for the Jets. The problem is that they have not really gotten good production from anybody else, and they need it, because when you're dealing with a rookie class, you're still dealing with developing players. These are not guys, yeah, you'd like Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and some of these other guys to play great this year, but they're still at the beginning of their careers. They're not in their primes yet. Even if they end up being very successful players, even if they reach their potential, they're not in a point where they're going to carry the team. You need veteran players to play up to their potential. You need veteran players to play up and carry the team. And the Jets aren't getting that. So who are the guys that need to step up? Well, one guy is somebody who plays at a spot Joe Douglas really values. That's Lakin Tomlinson. And Lakin Tomlinson's importance is going up this week for a couple of reasons. First of all, the Jets may not have George Fant. Now, you never know what's going to happen when Robert Sala gives you an injury update on a player. But he sounded a little pessimistic on Monday about George Fant's ability to step into the lineup on Sunday. And yes, I know the Jets made a, a signing Mike Renner, uh, but he's not going to be ready for this week. So it could be Connor McGovern. I'm sorry, Connor McDermott. Connor McGovern's playing center. It could be Connor McDermott at left tackle. And, you know, that's going to be a problem for the Jets. And that means, you know, if you're going to deal with an issue at left tackle, everybody else better be really good. You may have to drop some unique blocking assignments, you know, maybe give McDerm- McDermott guard help at times. Lakin Tomlinson's not been great. And I think there are reasons to be concerned about Lakin Tomlinson. You can never say a free agent signing is a complete failure three games in. But we've seen through the years when something's not working, you frequently have indications right off the bat. And Lakin Tomlinson, I think, has really been struggling the first three weeks. And the thing that makes me nervous is Lakin Tomlinson was kind of an ordinary guard up until the last couple of years which coincided with him playing with Trent Williams as his left tackle, who could be going to the Hall of Fame one day, maybe the best tackle of his era. And sometimes you get a guy who's good, really good next to you, and it has a carryover effect. And the same can be true of when the guy next to you struggles. He can really bring you down. And George Fant's been struggling. It's Maybe it's been bringing Lakin Tomlinson down. And Connor McDermott's not going to help things. But... There are other reasons. First of all, the Jets, I think at some point the Jets are going to try and run the ball. And, you know, the Jets have a really bad run-to-pass ratio for what they're trying to do. And part of it's that 
they've been behind in all these games, so they've had to throw the ball more than they've wanted to. But Lakin Tomlinson was was signed to really solidify this run game. I spent the entire offseason talking about how they were going to be able to run block. I think Lakin Tomlinson's really struggled in this area. But beyond that, Zach Wilson's back. And yes, there are the obvious statements you want to protect Zach Wilson, and you got to be scared with Connor McDermott at one tackle position. And Max Mitchell, who you know, was doing his best, and I think actually was pretty good on Sunday, but still a fourth-round rookie and still a guy who's had a rough couple games prior to the Sunday performance against Cincinnati. But beyond that, Zach Wilson's physical attributes come into play here because you know, Zach Wilson, when the Jets drafted him, they did not really have a measurement because there was no combine that year, so there were no official measurements. But by most accounts, Zach Wilson's on the shorter side for for a quarterback. And that's one thing. Like Last year, I went out to training camp, and you could see Zach Wilson was a few inches shorter than Mike White just from them standing next to each other. We don't have an official measurement, but Zach Wilson's shorter. And why does that matter? Because think about the shorter quarterbacks in this league who have had success. Well, you have Russell Wilson and you have Kyler Murray. Those are guys who kind of scramble outside the pocket. You know, those guys who make, make a lot of plays outside the pocket. It's tougher to play from the pocket because if you're not, if you're a little bit on the shorter side, it's difficult to see over your offensive linemen who are typically pretty big. And really, the only shorter quarterback who's had success in this league in recent years that comes to mind who played from the pocket was Drew Brees. And Drew Brees kind of became the master of sliding within the pocket finding the creases in the blocking where he could see the, the passing lanes. He became like really the master at that. But one area of team building that was focused on by the Saints is the Saints in the Breeze era were frequently among the biggest spenders on the interior line because when you have a shorter quarterback, it's important to, that the interior line not collapse. You don't want the lineman to get pushed back into your quarterback's face because he's going to have a tougher time seeing over him. You want him, you want him to have the proper depth perception. You want the line to hold up in front of him so that he's got a lane to see through. And that's really one of the rationales behind the way the Saints built their team. And you look at what the Jets have done the last couple of years. They went out and signed McGovern in free agency in 2020. That was before Zach Wilson's here. But the last two years at the guard position, they traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round. And people said, wow, they traded up for a guard? Well, that may have been part of the calculus, is that with a shorter quarterback, you want to make sure you're investing at the guard position. You want to make sure that the, the pocket's not collapsing into him because he's going to have a tough, tough time seeing. So on top of like the obvious things, like Zach Wilson, you know, you want to protect Zach Wilson, you don't want him playing under pressure, and you got a shaky left tackle potentially with George Fant out, Zach Wilson's game may require the Jets to invest more on the interior line positions. It may require the interior line players to be better than your typical team. And that's just because he's a little bit on the shorter side. And look, a lot of it's going to come down to Zach. When you're a shorter quarterback, you've got to figure out ways to compensate for it. Again, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson through their careers. And, you know, Russ is not off to a great start this year. And Kyler's had his moments where he's up and down, but they kind of scramble from outside the pocket. And you, that's, you see, like, that's a big part of Zach's game, but I don't know if Zach can, can succeed doing it. I don't know if, you know, it didn't look, did not look like he was particularly great at it last year. So I think he's got to learn to play from the pocket more. And that, I think a lot of that's going to be on the interior line. Now, there's another position that could help Zach Wilson out. It's a position, another position where the Jets invested heavily at this offseason. And it's a position they've probably gotten less at than they've gotten from the guard position. That's tight end, and we'll talk about what the Jets need from their tight ends as we continue on this Tuesday episode of Locked On Jets. You know, over the last couple of years, I think we've all learned how important taking care of your mental health is. It's something we a lot of us never thought about. 
until recently, but it, it's so important. And there's no one right way to do it. Some people use meditation. Other people use exercise. There are lots of different ways you can take care of your mental health. Just make sure you do it. And if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, I want to tell you about BetterHelp. It's a great option. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's affordable. And it's entirely online. You can get matched with the therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists at any time. So if this is something you're thinking about, and when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. Thank you again for making Locked On Jets your first listener, first watch every day. This show is free and it's available on all platforms, including YouTube. The Jets need better performances from the free agents they have signed in 2022. And they need better performances from the guys they signed in 2021, like Corey Davis and Carl Lawson. But this 2022 free agent class has not done the job the first three weeks. With the exception, I'm going to make that exception because DJ Reed does not deserve to be thrown into this group. DJ Reed's been excellent. So... If you were going to email me saying, leave DJ, DJ Reed alone, you'd be absolutely right. So I want to make it clear, DJ Reed, you're good. I like what you're doing, DJ Reed. Everybody else be like more like DJ Reed. And everybody else includes the two tight ends the Jets signed, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. And these guys have struggled in different ways. Uzama has struggled to get on the field. You know, the Jets paid CJ Uzama a lot of money to not play. Now, I know he's been dealing with an injury. You know, he sat the one game out against Cleveland. But it doesn't seem like the Jets are using two tight end sets all that much, as much as you were you would expect a team that invested in two tight ends. CJ Uzama's done almost nothing. You know, he talked a lot in the week leading up to Cincinnati about how important the game was to him. The Bengals were his first team. He left the Bengals in the offseason. He had a nice little run in the postseason a year ago. He's done nothing so far. I mean, they've got nothing from him. And you know, part of this is Mike LaFleur's got to maybe get him on the field a little bit more, but they it's really been nothing the Jets have gotten from him. And I think it's going to change this week because when you got Connor McDermott at one tackle and Max Mitchell at the other, I think you got to use the tight ends more. I think you got to give them extra help and you got to do it consistently. So I think you're going to see more two tight end sets. So CJ Uzama, who really has barely been used this year, he's got to get on the field. But Tyler Conklin, this guy is more interesting to me because it's just like a fascinating story how. This guy gives the finds a new way to give the Jets nothing every week. Uzama just like isn't producing and he's barely playing. I mean, you've seen this before. You've seen the story before where the team probably overspent in free agency on the guy. I mean, with CJ Uzama, the Jets signed him the first day of free agency, and that signing was announced at a point where like most of the top tight ends in free agency were going off the board. And it was almost like maybe Joe Douglas panicked a little bit when he saw the market dwindling. And then a few days later they got Tyler Conklin. So while Uzama's been really not doing a whole lot, Conklin's been like a non-factor in so many different ways, whether he's dropping passes, whether he's fumbling the ball, two fumbles in his first two games. But he found a new way to not be helpful week three. And here's the thing. You look at the box score, he had a good game. He had 84 yards. But even when this guy is producing 84 yards, he's not helping the team because not a single one of those 84 yards was useful to the Jets. They all came after, like, the game was out of reach, and there were all these dump-offs that Flacco's throwing him. It's just amazing to me. Like, this guy is really fascinating how he just finds new ways to not be helpful every week. I said last week that this guy's making me miss Ryan Griffin. And I, 
I can't believe anybody would ever make me miss Ryan. I guess it serves me right for all the stuff I said about Ryan Griffin through the years, how I kept trying to run Ryan Griffin out of town, and then I finally succeeded, and I get Tyler Conklin, who, you know, produces maybe the least impactful 84-yard receiving game I've ever seen. Tyler Conklin right now is on pace to have over 100 receptions and somehow on pace to have under 800 yards. Do you know how difficult it is to do that? Do you know how inefficient you have to be as a receiver to be on that pace? Now, again, only three games, so time to turn things around. But I I don't know which tight end is giving the Jets less. Is it the guy who, you know, barely gets... I guess it's the guy who barely gets on the field and barely is ever heard from. But uh, Tyler Conklin is just, like, doing it in such a different way. He's giving you nothing in such a different way because... It's almost like he's giving you the illusion of something because he's you know producing these numbers. He had a touchdown in garbage time against Baltimore week one. He had a couple of catches against Cleveland. 84 yards this week. The least impactful 84 yards maybe in the last decade in the NFL. But he's, do, but he's producing it. But he's not really producing. In any event, the Jets need to get more out of these tight ends. And, you know, the Jets, if you look at the way the Jets ran their offense last year, they were not looking for the tight ends for big plays. They were not looking to use the tight ends to stretch the field. The tight ends were more dump-off targets, screen guys, check-down guys. And of the tight ends available this offseason, Conklin and Uzama were two of the higher yak guys, yards after catch. And I think that, you know, you're looking for more out of them in that front. I think, you know, if you look at what the Jets did last year early in games, first quarter of games, they had Zach Wilson throw the ball short to the tight ends frequently. So I think they're, they're going to try and get the, the ball to them on screens more frequently. I think they're going to try and utilize that and you know use the wide receivers to stretch the field, use the tight ends to kind of pick up yards after the catch, maybe something like that. And maybe Zach Wilson returning to the lineup will help, but it's going to be a challenge. And I think part of where these tight ends are going to help is they're going to have to help these tackles out. They're going to have to stay in a little bit more frequently. And perhaps that's, you know, matches with what the Jets want out of these guys. Because I think with these tight ends, this at least this week with McDermott in the lineup, it's going to be a lot of help, first of all, securing the block. First of all, staying in and helping out on the block and then releasing out and then making it happen. You know, hopefully you're able to make a couple plays after the catch. And hopefully they can make some plays because to the extent they've gotten plays, they haven't been helpful plays. Speaking of not being helpful, though, we're going to end this episode by talking about a position that I think everybody knows is the issue on defense, the number one issue. That's the safety position. Jets signed two guys this offseason. Neither of them are doing the job. We'll talk about them as we close out this Tuesday episode of Locked On Jets. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday. We are talking about free agent signings who need to step up for the Jets. And, you know, there are lots of them. You know, lot, Jets are not getting production out of a lot of guys they signed this year outside of DJ Reed. And that includes a couple guys who play in the secondary with DJ Reed. Now, LaMarcus Joyner was technically a re-signing, but he barely played last year. I mean, he was essentially an addition. And Jordan Whitehead was a guy the Jets signed. They had high hopes for out of Tampa Bay. And it's been ugly. It's been ugly for Jordan. I mean, Jordan Whitehead has played at least a partial role in three long touchdowns where he's blown a coverage, where there's been a miscommunication. It's been bad for Jordan Whitehead. It's been bad for LaMarcus Joyner. I mean, you can see it going back to preseason. LaMarcus Joyner was in the wrong spot. It's so bad right now that there's actually a clamor for Ashton Davis to return to the lineup. And you know, the way I look at it is, I don't think Ashton Davis has earned a spot in the lineup, but Joyner and Whitehead, and more Joyner because he's not making as much money, but Joyner, Joyner and Whitehead, they probably earned a spot on the bench. 
Safety is one of those positions you don't appreciate until you don't have it. I remember back in 2017, the Jets drafted Jamal Adams, Marcus May in the first and second rounds back to back. And there was lots of criticism. And I understand some of the criticism to a certain extent. The Jets did pass on Patrick Mahomes to draft Jamal Adams. And safety is not the most important position on the field. But I did not hate it even at the time because the Jets had such awful safety play in 2016, the year before. And you could say you could see the way it hurt that defense. It really negatively impacted the Jets. Every single week they were having breakdowns that were leading to big plays in the secondary. And listen, Adams' playmaking was important, but so was just May's steady presence in the back of the defense. You know, Marcus May had the occasional hiccup, but he was one of those players who I think was always underappreciated with the Jets for what he did on the field. Because he was just, he, you know, he didn't make it, he really did not fill up the stat sheet, aside from maybe 2020 when he was the team MVP. But he was a guy who prevented bad plays from turning into catastrophes. And that, as much as anything, is the, the role of the safety position. And the Jets have two guys back there this year who have regularly turned bad plays into catastrophes. Most notably, recently, the Jordan Whitehead play, where he, he's going, he does the thing that I hate above all else among safeties. Instead of making the fundamental tackle, he's trying to get the big hit. He's trying to put himself on the highlight reel. I don't know if that's his motivation. That's what it looked like. And not only does he miss the tackle, but he kind of takes the other guy who could make the tackle out of the play. He kind of wipes Michael Carter the second out, and Tyler Boyd's allowed to just scamper off to the end zone for a 66-yard touchdown. And that's been the story. I mean, going again, going back to preseason, going back to the way Joyner, who's supposed to be the veteran presence, can never seem to be in the right spot. Now, you know, I get the feeling these coverages are going to have to be simplified for the Jets because after the Cincinnati game, DJ Reed made a comment that they need there needs to be a meeting between the coaches and the players to talk about how we get rid of these miscommunications because it's happening frequently and it can't happen. And, you know, you have a lot of new pieces on this defense. Maybe the coaches are overcomplicating things right now. Maybe they're running things that, you know, they're, nobody's comfortable with, both in terms of understanding the scheme, but also in terms of chemistry. Because when you're running complicated coverages, you have to know what the, other, the guy next to you is going to do. Otherwise, it's going to be a bust. And Jets have had an awful lot of busts. So, you know, you can put some of this on the coach. If these guys just aren't playing well. I mean, there are plays that should be made. There are plays that should be made that just are not being made by these safeties. And you look at it, I mean, what's the alternative? You want to put Ashton Davis? I mean, you can put Ashton Davis in. I, I think these guys have been, I think especially Joyner has been bad enough that you could justify making a change for the sake of making a change. But I just don't think it's going to, going to make things better putting Ashton Davis in there. And we've seen Ashton Davis. It shows you the backup player is always the most popular guy in town. So somehow the Jets need to get more out of these guys. And that goes for everybody I mentioned. It goes for more players, too. I mean, there have been a lot of guys signed in free agency who are just not doing the job. And I go back to this statement. You know, the rookies look pretty good, but you can't really ask your rookies to carry your team. Rookies, you'd like to ask, you'd like them to play a more supplementary role where they're helping your team out, but you don't need them. You don't want them to be responsible for carrying everything. And that's kind of the position the Jets have put these rookies in because the veteran players who are supposed to be carrying the bulk of the load just aren't doing it. So we'll see what they get going forward, but that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. If you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button. Give the show a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast source, and give it a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. These things help the channel out, and they help other Jets fans find the podcast. I hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody. Send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow we will have our weekly mailbag.